0: I want to encourage people right now that some people might be saying with all that's going on in the world is this the time for me to take a chance is this the time for me to step out and try something new and i know that you cannot focus on the circumstances that you find yourself in you have to live above that and persevere through all those fears and doubts and reach for those those life visions
1: Welcome to the Get a Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn. Hello, listeners. I'm very excited to be with you today and bring you my guest, Jamie Valvano. If you have not heard of the Valvanos, first of all, I don't know where you've been. You certainly don't live in North Carolina (laughs) (laughs) or know anything about basketball. But Jamie, of course, is the daughter of legendary coach, Jim Valvano. And also in her own right is a fantastic speaker, human, mom, friend, daughter, everything. And she's got such a wonderful story about coming into her and how she got there and that I wanted to bring that to you if you are somebody who is um, looking for a job or just trying to figure out your next step in life I thought this is such a wonderful story that will really inspire you and resonate with you Jamie hello and welcome to the show
0: Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I love being able to share stories with other people because I think that there's so much that we have in common, and it's just wonderful to be able to connect with other individuals that are going through similar things that I think I've been through as well.
1: Awesome. Fantastic. I'm excited for this conversation. And maybe just to get started, you can fill us in. Tell us about what it was like growing up with your dad and being you and, and how
0: you got to where you are today. I chuckle when you bring up basketball, because I obviously I grew up in an athletic family and our whole life revolved around basketball. We moved here to North Carolina in 1980. And I was a girly girl, never played sports. Really basketball was just something my dad did. That was his job, but I wasn't Really invested in it. I would go to the games and probably bring my coloring book and crayons when I was little. And I really didn't even know what the score was. And then we moved to North Carolina, and ACC basketball is just a whole nother world. I had no idea when we were moving here how, for the next decade, our lives would be overtaken by Tar Heels and Blue Devils and Wolfpack. It was overwhelming. It was fun. It was challenging. There were high highs and low lows. But probably the best thing for me as a child growing up was just watching my dad do something that he was so passionate about. I often share that he, when he was 17, decided that he wanted to be a basketball player and coach. And he wrote down all the things he wanted to accomplish at the age of 17. And he kept that card with him each and every day and it became his compass to guide and direct his action. So for me as a young girl, just watching my dad on the sidelines and seeing how just passionate and excited and how basketball was so much more than just his profession or job, but it really was what he dedicated his life to. As a young girl, that was really exciting for me to watch. And you know, I finally learned a little bit about the game and knew a little bit about sports, but I'm still not athletic. So when people come up to me now all these years later and they want to talk X's and O's, they're they're disappointed that I know nothing about (laughs) basketball, but it certainly shaped who I am today by all of the things that I experienced in my childhood and watching my dad. So that's really how I first learned about setting bold visions for your life and really discovering what you're passionate about and what excites you as a spectator on the sidelines. That's, I learned that from my dad probably at a very early age. That's amazing.
1: So I love that he wrote all of that, his big goals down on a note card. As a child or maybe like a teenager, as you become more aware of what our parents actually do for a living and what they do for work and how that impacts them and the family, were you aware of the note card that he had with the goals? Was that something that he talked about?
0: Yeah, I really was. This was before technology, obviously, where we do things all, you know, on devices now, but he used to do a lot on sticky notes. So he was somebody whose mind was always racing and he was always jotting down things that he wanted to do, books he wanted to read, people he wanted to reach out to on sticky notes. And he would put them in his pocket and then my mom would find them later when she was doing the laundry and she'd say, gosh, these are all these things that he wants to do. But, you know, that just to me, I watched him and I saw I guess how important it is to be intentional that we all have the same amount of hours in a day. Oftentimes, we're reactive to situations or circumstances. And my dad was like really proactive and intentional about what he wanted to accomplish. And he knew that he wanted to win a national championship. And so I watched him, whether It was actually seeing the note card. It was more about seeing the way he lived every day, that he had these bold, audacious visions and it didn't really matter what was happening around him. He kept focused and he kept living with that intention every day and reminding himself of where he was headed. And so that was really amazing to see that, to see how one of his favorite quotes that he used to share all of the time was by Reverend Bob Richards. And he was a little boy when he heard this quote and used to talk about it is that God must have loved ordinary people because he made so many of us, but every day and every walk of life, ordinary people accomplish extraordinary things. And oftentimes I feel like we don't dream and don't envision big enough. And so that's, oftentimes we get discouraged when things come against us or we think small. And so my dad was never like that. He was always full force, ready to go. And he didn't allow anybody to discourage him or dissuade him from accomplishing what he wanted to. And so absolutely, I was aware of Not so much, even it wasn't the note card that inspired me, but it was how he lived every single day. And I just recall that same kind of passion that carried over into other areas of his life later on when he was struggling with things that maybe weren't as exciting as winning a basketball game.
1: Wow. So it takes an extraordinary amount of confidence and Just believe in yourself, I think, to live that way. Yes. So that's amazing. Where did he get that? Or did he just develop that as he
0: went through life? I think he was fortunate. Not all of us are raised in a family where he got so much support. And his dad was a referee and a teacher and a basketball coach. And so sports was something that always was a part of the Valvano family, as well as eating a lot of pasta and getting together all the time. But I remember my dad telling this story about the gift that his dad Rocco gave to him. And that was, he always said that my dad believed in me. And every single year when he would be coaching, he would tell his dad, I want to make it to the NCAA tournament because that was called what every coach wanted to do. And he said, but dad, it's so hard. I just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And he tells a story about how his dad took him up to his bedroom and showed him a packed suitcase. And my dad said, what's up, dad? Where are you you going? Are you going on a trip? And he said, no, I want you to know that when you make the NCAA tournament, and you will, my bags are packed. I'm ready to travel to the game, no matter where it is. And it was such an amazing story that was obviously a true story. And so he had that support system behind him and that he had people that believed in him parents that believed in him a team around him and so i always remember in 1983 being in albuquerque new mexico and seeing my dad run around like crazy after winning the national championship and achieving that vision and sprinting over to hug his dad Rocco, Uh and that moment of just father and son embracing each other and knowing that he had achieved what they both had set out to achieve. And so I think it's important that we all need people who believe in us. So I know that I remember watching my dad coach, whether he was coaching or even off the court, he was always surrounded by a team. That was really powerful for me to notice that we're all going to stumble and we're all going to lose that momentum sometimes. But when we're surrounded by a team that's united and a group of people that really have our back, then oftentimes during those times of doubt, other people, whether it's a father, a teacher, a mentor, a neighbor, a friend, somebody else pulls us out of that place of despair and sets our path right back on that trajectory ahead. And so in order to do that, you have to obviously know what your vision is and share it with other people so they can hold you accountable. And so I just remember after a year of my dad coaching, him always calling his dad. And if he didn't make the tournament, my grandfather would always say, we've got next year, we'll do it next year. And so he didn't change his ultimate goals and visions when he failed, but he did sometimes need to go to people that believed in him for a pickup, which is something that we all need.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you have a team around you the way that he did? Tell me about that. I
0: think that those people who don't know my dad's story, he obviously 10 years after winning the national championship, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and I was 20 at the time. And it was very difficult because he was diagnosed very late. And the diagnosis was the cancer had already spread. And so he really only had about 10 months after the diagnosis. And I watched him in those final months. And he took out another index card. He wrote down another vision. He said he was going to find a cure for cancer. And then I watched him assemble a team of individuals to help him. And he established an organization to do just that. And so I was 20 years old. I really didn't know what was going to happen in my life. And I think so often we face difficult times. We just want to turn the page and we want things to go back to normal, which is what we're all facing right now in life. We just say, gosh, where's the sense of normalcy? And we forget to learn the lessons that life is trying to teach us. And so sadly, I'll have to say that for so many years, I lived without really a vision, without a team around me, and I just reacted to life and did the next thing. And then at the age of 33, I was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer myself, and I found the lump myself, and I went to the doctor and found out that I had inherited a genetic mutation from my dad, and so the bottom fell out. Everything that I thought that made me who I was stripped from me, my health, my womanly figure, my youth, my ability to be a wife and mother, and just an instant, everything disappeared. And so I had to really dig deep. I really had to look and see, you know, what had my dad left me? What was the legacy that he had left me? And I realized that it wasn't about basketball. It wasn't about even really how many wins or losses he'd had or anything he had done in his career. But it was really, again, getting back to how he lived his life. And I thought, how can I live my life so that I can be an ordinary person that experiences extraordinary things? And of course, I wanted to heal and and to survive cancer most of all. And I decided to adopt the way my dad lived his life instantly. And I took out a a note card and I set some visions for my life that were going to take me decades to complete. I assembled a team around me. I was bold. I think when people are hurting, they really don't want to reach out and ask for help because we feel like everybody has so much on their plate and we don't want to show weakness, whether it's in the workplace or in our community. And I had to be bold because I knew I couldn't do this alone. And so I thought about my dad and thought about him recruiting his team and how he would pick players that had the gifts that he would need. And so I had neighbors cooking for me when I was going through treatment, people helping with my children. I had my sisters, my mom, everybody. And I was bold. I remember telling my 75-year-old grandma to get into the laundry room and do some whites because I was like, I need help. And so I asked everyone and anyone to help me. And I told them what I wanted to do. What I wanted to accomplish. And that team, whether it's my doctors, my friends, and my family, have carried me through the last 15 years because I'm a 15 year survivor and I could not be here without them. I have a team that helps me professionally, I have a team that helps me medically, I have a team that helps me raise my children. I have so many individuals that I depend on. But the most important thing is for me to choose my team wisely and to really make sure that those people just know me and know what it is that I want because we, everybody has an opinion about what we should be doing and how we should be doing right. it. And so if you've got it, people are saying, gosh, I don't need 20 people on my team. It might be one person. It might be two people, but it's somebody who can hold you accountable, who knows what your, your deepest visions are for your life, who, brings out the best in you and and helps you believe in yourself, somebody whose bags are packed for you and are ready to travel that journey with you. And absolutely, without a doubt, my team has helped me get to this place. And I am very fortunate to have some of those same people that I've asked to help me so many years ago that are still on my team. And I like to think that I have also poured myself into their lives as well and been a valuable team member for them because it's not all about you. It's also about giving back and sharing your gifts as well.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. You hear a lot
0: about, in, with respect to careers,
1: you hear people talk about build yourself a board of directors. And yep. I know I've talked to women who have told me, I talked to this person, they're an expert on negotiating. And they helped me negotiate my job offer. And then this person is just really good at building me up and pumping up my confidence. And you have different people who bring their different gifts and skills into your life. And together, they make this like really nicely, well-rounded team. So, wonderful.
0: Yeah, the most important thing is to, you know, go to those people and ask them, what it is you need from them. They're just so honored when you recognize something in them that you see as a gift and a talent and you say, this is something I want to develop. This is really important to me. And I've never had somebody who has said, no, I'm not willing to help you. And especially when you share with them specifically what it is you want to accomplish. And so I think you have to do some searching within yourself. You don't want to go up to someone and say, gosh, just tell me what I need to do, you know, and just say a blank statement. Again, it's that idea of being intentional and really letting those people know that idea of being successful and working together to accomplish something. Because if going back to coaching and I hate doing this, you can get a team of people together and they could all have different visions and different ideas of what they want to accomplish. And you have to be united and you have to really Say to someone, "No, I need you to do this, or could you do this, or could you show me how?" And so, I love that. I love that what you just shared about going up to someone and saying, "You're good at negotiating," or "I really respect this about you," and then taking that and and then making it your own is really important because there are so many voices in in the world, and people are listening obviously to, to so much that is going on. And so you can become confused and say, I don't know which way I want to go because you do have so many expert people. The first thing that I do before I even go to someone is I ask myself, what is it that I want to accomplish? What What's on my vision card and how can they help me as part of my team? And, and so that helps me to assist them in understanding where it is I'm trying to go. Otherwise you just become overwhelmed and confused and discouraged because you have all this information, but you don't know how to put it into action to accomplish what it is that's most important to you. That's such a
1: good point. And this all really only makes sense if you have that vision set for yourself, which you definitely mentioned when you said you don't go to people and say, okay, what should I, tell me what to do next, right? (laughs) Where, Where am I going? It's helpful to go and say, here's my goal. Here's what I want to accomplish. Yes. Um, and and I know you and I have talked about how you figured out what you felt were your unique gifts and that helped you build your vision I would love to have you talk about that
0: too yeah it because it it, it it was a little bit, I guess intimidating to be raised by somebody who I believe was like superhuman, and he he with ten months to live, he starts an organization that's raised over you know three hundred million dollars for cancer research. And I just look at all the things that he was able to accomplish with his life, and I think, oh my gosh, that's just I'm not going to be able to do that. It's you know, so people would compare me to my dad, and I'd say, oh no way, but. What I found is that he had a sense of purpose in his life. And I think it was because it combined what he was passionate about with his gifts. I certainly on my vision card would not put, I want to win a national championship because I have and no athletic ability, no interest in sports. And so it's like you see someone who's successful and you think maybe I should take that same path. And but yet you look at it, and you say, that's not that doesn't excite me at all. I'm not passionate about it. And I don't think it really suits my gifts, but they're successful. So I just want to do that. And what I found for me, at least, is that people really became my kind of gauge for how I evaluated my success. And what I mean by that is that for me, the most important thing is to share my story, to love and encourage people, to support them, to inspire. And so whether I was in the classroom as a teacher, which I did for many years, or I was a cancer fundraiser and I went around the country raising money for cancer research or now as a public speaker, I was constantly always looking to see what are people sharing with me? How I'm affecting them? What gifts do I have? And wh- when do I feel most like myself? I- I'm putting on a show. I'm not going on there and becoming someone different. I'm not a persona. I'm not playing a role. But I really feel like this is who I was meant to be. And I think it definitely comes with age. Certainly, it's not. We try on many different hats and many different, you know, costumes through the years. But I really, I remember just there were moments along the journey where I would look and I would say, yes, that's what it is I'm trying to do. Or someone would share a story with me and it would just resonate deeply with me. And so I would just keep moving forward as it felt right. And I probably two and a half to three years ago, I was teaching and I was in a situation which some people might be able to relate to in that it didn't feel right anymore. It didn't feel like I was using my gifts. I was semi-successful, but it wasn't It wasn't really meaningful to me. And so I had been doing that career for so long. And so it was difficult for me to let that go because I got scared and I thought there's no safety net. But as I looked at my vision card about what I wanted to accomplish in my life and what were my gifts and what I was passionate about where I was living no longer met any of those needs. And so Mm -hmm. I could go on in that path. And I'm sure I still would have in some way been successful and felt good about myself. I would have touched people's lives, but I wasn't feeling like I was living an extraordinary life. And so I resigned from that position, having no other plans, not really knowing what I was going to do. But I took out an index card and I said, I've survived cancer and I've gotten to the point where I am right now. And I owe it to myself and to everybody who's been on my team all these years to really reach for some bold, audacious visions in my life. And so I wrote down five things that I wanted to do. And I said, I don't know how long they're going to take. I don't know if I'm going to be successful. I don't know if I'm going to stumble. This might be the worst thing I've ever done. And I have to tell you, almost immediately, I started to feel this new sense of purpose, this renewed confidence. And it doesn't mean that I think it's easy when somebody's at the top of the mountain to tell, here's what you need to do to get here. But I'm somebody who's been at the bottom of the pit in my life for a lot of years. And a lot of things have happened to me that have been very difficult. And so what I really connect with is that commonality of people who are suffering, who are discouraged, who are overwhelmed and know I'm not living my extraordinary life right now. What can I do? And those are the people that really touch me the most because that's where I've been most of my life. And so I had to ask myself, and go to some of my team members and I got really quiet, which is not easy for an Italian girl (laughs) to get quiet, but I got really quiet and I went to the people that I most loved and respected and cared about. And might've only been like two or three people. And I said, this is what I wanna do, what do you think? And they really, those are the people who gave me the confidence to take that step out. And I want to encourage people right now that some people might be saying, with all that's going on in the world, is this the time for me to take a chance? Is this the time for me to step out and try something new? And I know that you cannot focus on the circumstances that you find yourself in. You have to live above that and persevere through all those fears and doubts and reach for those those life visions and When I talk about a life vision, I differentiate between goals because I think goals are short-term items we want to accomplish that often change or with the wind. We say, oh, Monday I had this goal, but Thursday now I got to change it. And that's okay. That's great. But life visions are the very things that breathe life into your existence. By the end of your journey, if you've not tried these things, you're not going to feel successful or feel significant. And I think that's what we all want. And so for me, that's what it boils down to. I mean, all the other things I believe are going to fall into place. But if you don't know what your bold, audacious visions are, nobody can tell you that. And so you're really going to be in this perpetual place of reacting to circumstances that come up rather than boldly being proactive and intentional and going forward and not letting anything stop you. And it took me many years to discover that I could be successful at something, but I didn't feel significant. I didn't feel like I was leaving an impact and I didn't feel fulfilled because it was not really what I was meant to do. And yeah, that's a, I know that's a lot to comprehend and take in, but it really was a process. It wasn't like just one day I decided this is it, but it was a process of looking back Over pretty much my whole life, all the lessons I'd learned, all the jobs that I had and things that I'd done, people I'd met, and really trying to hone in on what it was that gave me purpose, what I was passionate about, and what my gifts are. That is fantastic. I
1: love that. So you come up with this vision. And can you share with us? What was that vision? Yeah, my
0: earliest vision, when I was 33, and I was going through cancer treatment was just to survive and go to my son's high school graduation. And so that was I just wrote one thing on that card. He was five at the time. And I thought that was my greatest fear as a mom leaving my children motherless. And I thought, That's what's going to keep me moving forward. So he was just starting kindergarten, and I said, I'm going to be at his high school graduation. And I made it all those years and was not only at his high school graduation, but was asked to speak at his baccalaureate. And I remember seeing my dad cut down the nets after winning the national championship, and I imagine that's what he felt like, because when you have one of those bold visions, and then it comes to pass, it becomes reality. You stand there and nobody else knows, oh my gosh, this is divine. But I stood there and watched him in his cap and gown. And I just knew without a doubt that, you know, that I was so thankful that young, scared mom didn't give up, or I would have missed out on that seeing him graduate. And so after that, I came to a place where he was going off to college and I had my other son who's 17 and he actually has special needs. And so I was just trying to think what's going to be on my note card or my vision card next. And so the very first thing I wrote down and I just, I laughed, but I, for some reason, being an educator, we had always watched Ted talks in the classroom. And I thought, I'm going to do a Ted talk. And I thought first of all, what would I do my Ted talk on? I had no topic, no speech, no nothing, but I just wrote on my number one that I was going to do a Ted talk. And I wrote my number 2 was i wanted to take an adventure every year with one of my children and then you know my third one was i wanted to publish a book and i just i had three or four really important things on there that i wanted to accomplish that i said these are my visions and i shared them with people and Within six months, I got a phone call from a parent of one of my students who said, we're bringing a TEDx women's event to carry. Would you like to speak? And I literally, I said, what? Do I have to try out? What's the product? She said, no, we just, we want you to speak. And so then began the process of me thinking about what it was that I wanted to do to speak. What's happened with that vision card, and I, I have it, and I look at it every single day, is that, like I said, with my dad, it became a compass. And so If someone calls me and they have the best idea in the world, and they know that I would be a perfect fit for it, and they call me and they're excited, and I know that it's something that is not on my vision card, I can easily say, no, I'm sorry, I wish I could, that sounds amazing. And I'm not filled with that anxiety that I used to have where I think I'm missing out on something. Oh my gosh, if I don't say yes, then they're going to think horribly of me because I can easily say to that person, you know what, I'm preparing for a Ted talk or I am doing this adventure with my son and that's taking up all my time or I'm working on a book that I'm trying to publish. And the person is just, wow, that's amazing. And so we start a conversation. And so That's really helped me over the past probably three years since my son graduated from high school and I had to come up with some new visions for myself (laughs) is to look at that every single day. And it doesn't mean you can't change your visions, you're not stuck to them, but to really look at them and say, this is what I'm going to try to accomplish. And so if something comes my way, I can say no. And I can say, I hope I'll come back again to that if it's meant to be but I really don't think that it's something that I can do right now. For example, one of mine was to become a public speaker and to be able to travel and speak a lot. And when the pandemic hit, all of my speeches canceled. And so if that had been a goal of mine, I would have said, oh gosh, I guess it's not meant to be. Then I guess I'll just mark that off my list. But you see, it's a life vision. It's something that I know when I stand before a group and I get to to share and have the gift of meeting people and hearing from them and that connection. I just feel like it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and so I know those opportunities are going to come again. So I just keep doing the next right thing, and so I've learned how to to zoom and how to do virtual speeches <laughs> and and you know everything. And so that it, there's a a difference when it's just a goal because I think it's really easy sometimes to abandon it and say maybe not in two twenty, maybe I'll do it next year, kind of thing. But when it's a life vision, it's something that is so much a part of you, a part of your very spirit that you don't, you're not so quick to abandon it. And it doesn't, it's not just a job or a profession, but it's really who you were meant to be. And so what you'll find is that doors will just open. I have so many stories of just things that fell into place and things that happened that were not of my doing, but simply because I was so focused on what it is, putting myself in the right place, the right time reaching out to mentors, just believing and just assembling that team so that I could get the support I needed. So that's pretty much what's on my vision card. And it's Love it's going it. to stay out of, you know, the six things I think i have only accomplished one or two. And some of them are ongoing and will last a lifetime. Yeah. But they are things that I know will allow me to have a meaningful and extraordinary journey.
1: Yep. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. All right. There's so much you just said that I wanted to get into because it's awesome. First, I love just the clarity that you are talking about that you got from writing that down and having the vision. And then you you use that clarity to give yourself permission to say no to things that aren't the right fit. And I think people actually really respect you when you say That sounds wonderful, but no, I cannot do that at this time. I can't commit to that right now. I've got this other thing I'm working on. And so while that saying no is often very hard for people, but it sounds like it becomes a whole lot easier when you are saying no to one thing in
0: service of something else. Yes. That's probably pretty empowering. Absolutely. It has been so empowering and it's opened so many doors and helped me connect with so many people that I needed to meet. It's just things have unfolded just as they needed to, because I wasn't stuck in a place of kind of that hamster wheel where you're just trying to catch up and a trust comes in. I felt a level of trust in that if I don't feel like that there's ever going to be a missed opportunity, that what comes to me is going to be meant for me. And that's different. I think before I used to feel like I had to make everything happen. And I now I think that there's this idea that when you live with purpose and authenticity, that I really think you, you're you led in this, the direction you're supposed to go in and it becomes less confusing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I think you're right. You behave in a certain way when you know, this is my mission. This is what I'm trying to get done. And that can be a very different way of behaving, whether we know it or not, I think, than just, okay, it's Friday. I'm going to see what happens to me today. (laughs) So so that's awesome. I love that. And and the opportunities coming to you, it's not just coincidence. You are behaving in such a way that is causing the right things to come your way. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: Yeah. Love that.
0: And I also think the idea of success versus significance has been really important for me and i've spoken to a lot of people about it this year because when you have such rigid goals and ideas of what success means in your life then when you fall short it's very discouraging when you say i have to make a certain amount of money in order to be successful or i have to sell a certain you know number of this or if you're in sales or you know, as i speak to corporations They're discouraged because there's things happening in the world and circumstantial that we can't control. And so when you lead with the idea of, really my purpose is to be significant it's to impact others it's to encourage It's to bring about change it's to leave footsteps for others to follow in the industry i work it's to inspire young people it's to uplift people in my community the idea of your success whatever your changes is completely redefined and you look at it and you say The end of the day, you look and you say, Oh my gosh, I had this amazing conversation and connection with someone today that felt so life-changing and significant. And some of the other things that fell aside and didn't happen, it's not a failure anymore because you really Mm -hmm. realize I I had an impact today that's really been hard for some people in across the board and industries and companies I talk to is that they're not experiencing success in their eyes because of what's going on circumstantially in the world and socially. And there's just depression and people are feeling sad and, and isolating. And so again, it's that idea of recommitting yourself to life visions, not something that's just going to happen this month or, or next month, really finding those team of people, getting quiet, listening to what it is, using this time differently and knowing that even in the rough patches, whether I was dealing with cancer or struggling with raising a child with special needs or changing careers or even going through a divorce, I mean, these were all difficult things I faced. I can look back now and say I used the same tools in every situation to grow and learn and thrive and forgive. And you know, there's been so many blessings that have come out of it. And the struggle isn't any easier. In those, no matter how you live, whether you choose to just be proactive and move forward or whether you choose to be reactive and stay in places of hardship, there's going to be struggle at both times. But what I want to encourage people is that the struggle becomes very meaningful when it's our own personal purpose that we're trying to fulfill and achieve. We all of a sudden that struggle becomes, oh my gosh, it's life changing and so meaningful versus just feeling like that person who's just getting pummeled day after day. And I'm like, I can't take anymore. But you become almost like a battle warrior where you're like, this is going to be tough. I know it's going to be tough, but it's what I was made to accomplish and achieve. And so the struggle takes on a whole new meaning. Mm -hmm. And you stand in a place of strength to battle those painful situations rather than in a place of I'm a victim to them. And that's for so long, I felt that way. And so I can really resonate and and understand people who come to me and say, look at all this terrible stuff that has happened to me. And I can say, yeah, I, I, I could give you a list as well. But none of that circumstances have changed who I am and what I was meant to accomplish. It's just given me even more layers of understanding and character and patience and all the things that have been have come through those struggles those situations I have to remind myself daily I'm not a victim I am a warrior that I'm going to have to battle no matter what today's going to be a battle how are you going to choose to look at yourself in the midst of it all That's such a great message in this year in particular,
1: when I think a lot of people are struggling with all kinds of circumstances, many of which are out of our control. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that kind of new way of framing what many people are dealing with right now. I think that's wonderful. I'm so inspired. I feel like I need to <laughs> like, just go and, and spend some time thinking about what are my gifts and how do I use those to create the vision for my life? Because I just love how you talk about being so intentional about those things yeah. and then going after them and building the team and getting them and everything. So many amazing lessons today. I love it. And also just even as a parent the way you talk about your your dad as a parent and his dad and I just love the sense of somebody pouring into you to the point where they've got a bag packed for not if but when you achieve that big
0: goal and they are going to be there to cheer you on. And yeah, you touched on something that sense. really has resonated with me and that I'm a parent to two boys and I think that Oftentimes, we not only sell ourselves short, but also our children and talk the, the visions that they need in life and young people are hurting right now. My young youngest son suffered a stroke when I was pregnant with him, and we had no idea whether he was going to walk or talk or what was going to happen. It was, very, it was a struggle for me, definitely, as a mom. And I remember early on, one of the doctors saying to me, I said, what kind of life is he going to have? And the doctor saying... It may not be the life you imagine, but it will be extraordinary. And my 17-year-old son walks, talks, does everything he can possibly do. Has exceeded all expectations. But even as a parent, I've realized that we need to look at our idea of what it means for our children to be successful. And my youngest has been able to create his own vision card and has been able to achieve an extraordinary life by using his gifts. And so that's another thing is stepping back and watching him thrive has taught me as a mother that we as parents, we need to have our bags packed for our children, but we also need to realize that we are not the authors of their story and they have to write their own story. They've got to find their way. And I think it's really important for you to be on their team and to be a team member and to help them identify their gifts and their vision and to realize that they have a whole plan and purpose for their life. And so my youngest son has really shown me that because he has taught me that you can be significant no matter what your gifts and skills are. You look at other people and you just think, wow, they're so much more talented than I am or they have a better ability to do this or they're more athletic or they're this. And, th-. and and what my son has shown me is he doesn't compare himself to anyone else and he seeks every day to just uplift and inspire and love other people. And it's been a powerful message during this time for me to see is that sometimes we have to get outside of ourselves and realize that it's about the connection and the people that are in our lives as well. And that's been great for me as a parent to, to really learn from him and to carry that message that my dad started as you said, his parent, and then he did it to me. And then now I can do it for my son. And now I watch my two young men go out and really use their gifts in such a powerful way. And both of them have vision cards and both of them, whatever they call me and ask me a question about something. I say, what does it say on your vision card? What is it you're trying to accomplish? I don't lecture, but I try to listen and ask them questions so that they can discover and hear their own voice. So it's been, it's helped parenting as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That's such like a sense of freedom that you're
1: giving them to develop your own vision. My vision is not going to be your vision. And so that's amazing because sometimes as a parent, we have our own vision for our kids. Yeah. But <laughs> you make a great point that it, it needs to be
0: their vision. Yeah. And the sooner they can identify their own gifts, I think the more meaningful there's every experience will be because they'll go into it saying, I can't do this because maybe that's not one of my gifts, but I can do this. And that's what my son has taught me is that there's so many things that I never thought he would be able to do that he does. And I look at him and I just say, wow, it's that never give up spirit that my dad had and he shared with us final speech that he gave and just that perseverance, that idea of no matter what situation you find yourself in, you got to keep going has really, he's been an inspiring example for me for that.
1: That's amazing. Clearly the perseverance gene runs deep in the <laughs> Valvano family in the DNA. So what a wonderful blessing. That's really amazing. And I wanted to mention, I was in the audience when you did your TEDx talk here at the, it was Carrie Women's TEDx, which was an amazing event. But your talk was truly one of the highlights for me of the day, because it was so inspiring. And I remember sitting there and like, laughing and crying in the same span of 15 minutes. It was very powerful and uplifting and wonderful. Yeah, if you're listening, it was called What I Learned About Leaving a Legacy. And it was wonderful. I'm so glad that was on your vision card, because I feel like so many people have benefited from hearing that story and the story really well told. So that was a wonderful talk.
0: Yeah thank you so much. It was very meaningful for me cuz my dad was the same age when he gave his SV speech before he passed away as wow. I was when I was standing on the stage and you know I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it cuz there was a video of him behind me and it was that that idea of just coming full circle and realizing that people have such an impact on our lives and leave such powerful legacies that they are never far from us. And I don't think a day goes by that I don't think about my dad and think about how cancer research that he started saved my life and how it changed. It changed everything in the way that I looked at everything in my life. And so I was so thankful to have the opportunity to stand up there and just proclaim just with such joy where I was and and what I had achieved, and that I finally, I think, had listened to what my dad had been trying to tell me all along. And just rebellious teenager, I had been saying, "No, that was the way he lived his life, but I don't need to live that way." It, it was really a turning point for me at that point to realize that he had left such powerful instructions for me on how to live an extraordinary life. I hadn't been listening, and so that was great for me to spend some time as I prepared for that speech to listen to him again and to get really quiet and to, I remember someone saying before the speech, if you only, you know, had one opportunity to talk to someone and tell them something, what would it be? And I realized that what I wanted people to know was that every single one of us has the capacity to leave a lasting legacy And to be significant and to have an impact on other people. And I think we do that best by using, as we've said over and over, but using those unique gifts that we've been given with unbridled passion, go after what it is that excites us and not really let anything stand in the way. And even if it doesn't seem to make sense, I've seen it happen in my own life in my dad's life and other people's lives where everything has changed. When they have adopted that bold vision and assembled that team and decided to not give up, and I've seen some amazing things happen and heard some stories from people that I've met when I've traveled around the country, where I think, oh my gosh, these people, they just are so inspirational. And none of us are super men or super women, but I do believe that we have the power within to do amazing things. So it's just really been it's been such a great journey.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Wow. This is definitely ranks up there with most goosebumps ever (laughs) for me during a podcast, because just so many of the things you said have been just wow. And really have made me think and feel super inspired. I feel like I'm gonna go have a totally different evening than I had planned just because of the way I feel after talking to you. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jamie. Where can people find you? Where can we find the V Foundation?
0: Yeah. So if you go to Jamievalvano.com, my is my website and I blog and I have videos on there. I have links to my, my TED Talk. I have links to my Amazing, extraordinary son Grant and all that he is accomplishing and a movement that he started. And just, I invite everybody to be a part of the team and I offer monthly newsletters and information about others speaking and really my greatest blessing uh, is when people reach out to me and share their story and tell me about themselves so it's that's the best place to go to be able to contact me and to get in touch and i just look forward to hearing from everybody and hearing about what it is about my narrative that maybe touched them and made them think about something differently, because then in turn, when they share that, I learn and grow. And so it's just this amazing team that we are assembling. So I thank you for that and hope to hear from some people.
1: Absolutely. All right. Normally, I sum up at the end of a podcast, but this one, I I don't even know where to start because there's so much amazing stuff. And I was just thinking, I can't wait to listen to this (laughs) again. So thank you. I won't even, you know, do it justice if I try to sum it up. But for this to say, the idea of setting bold visions and having those goals and just living really intentionally so important. And so love your story and love that you came and spent the time with me today for everyone to hear. So thank Thank you you so much, Katie. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, Go do it. Subscribe to our email list at backtobusinessconference.com for weekly job search advice.